Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 105 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter episodes 103 to 108, where winning tag is all about taking a nap, lions surf on surfboards, and a king's duties pale in comparison to playing a board game. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is obviously to play more board games. I mean, all the board games. I mean, look, I've collected even more board games than normal people, and I'm saying collect more board games. You should collect all of them. Gotta, gotta catch them all. All right, let's jump in. I will say that I feel a lot of kinship with the king in these episodes because I also like to shirk my duties in favor of playing games. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do at all times, Mm -hmm. is just completely, you know, shirk all of your duties and play board games instead. Yeah, play board games instead. (laughs) Anyways... Anything uh, interesting happening this week? Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything. Uh, not really. I'm reading Bungo Stray Dogs. I'm a few chapters in. It's not what I was expecting, but I mostly like it. <laughs> well, the anime is fantastic. Yeah, you know, here's a weird thing, and I I wonder if any of you listeners out there have experienced this. So I know Spencer, you have watched some of the anime. Did you watch it on Crunchyroll? Yeah. Okay, so I I have a. Uh, I have a Chromecast that I watch on my living room TV, and then I have an office TV that's like one of those smart TVs, the Roku smart TVs. Um, I have tried to watch Bungo Stray Dogs several times, both in the Crunchyroll app on my Roku TV and by Chromecasting it onto my TV in the living room. And each time it says something like, this title is not available for playing right now. And I know that that's, that's a weird. lie because it's on Crunchyroll. When they don't have titles available, they don't list the episodes and they don't let you push play. I'm able to push play and then it doesn't work. And Yeah, it sounds like you're having some sort of internal error. Yeah, and I, I use Crunchyroll to watch a lot of other things. For example, these episodes today. And I tend to find it to be a really good service, but that is not the only show that that's happened for. And I'm like, I wonder if it has to do with chromecast and you know like can you not watch those things through the app do you have to watch them in like the you know the the browser site because i tried no i mean i watched i watched them on the app i watched them on my phone so i mean that's what i watched them on that is really weird i don't get it i wonder if anybody else has had this experience i've tried it several times um i haven't tried it since we moved and we have a new isp so maybe that would make a difference but uh, i don't know anyway that is weird i've tried to watch it several times now I am just reading the manga from the library and doing that instead. So it's fine. Uh, it's not what I expected, but I can kind of see that it's building potentially to a place where I, where it'll be more of what I expected. And I would like it to do that because what I expected was cool and what is happening is uh, interesting, but not what I want. And so I would like that to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a show that's sort of like you're, you have, you have, uh, some expectations of it if you've only seen snippets of like the different fight sequences that yeah. happen inside of the show it is very different from that yeah and it's 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 one of those shows where it's just like it has it has flashes of moments where it's just like a beat up but most of the time it's it's kind of like slice of life funny detective stuff and yeah. then mixed in with that is crazy batshit things that will happen in the show yeah um long time listeners will know that spencer and i and i think especially me tend to want our animes to be crazy beat-em-ups and that is the impression that i had of this and it has not been that very much and so i'm a little disappointed uh and also long time listeners will know that we tend not to respond very well to slice of life or comedy which is what most of the bungo stray dogs is and uh, the comedy, I think, is maybe better than the average anime comedy, because I think a lot of anime comedy is like really just the same joke in different scenarios based on the, you know, the overall scenario of the show and the characters in it. But otherwise, there are always the same joke about like this character is drunk. This character's really loud. Here are boobs. And uh, 
that doesn't do it for me. Uh, and I think this show, or I guess this series, since I'm not watching the show, is smarter than that. Uh, I still don't think it's very funny. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's funny in a different way, so I don't resent it as much. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I like it, so screw you, Blake. Huh? I like it, so screw you, Blake. Well, and then, the, you know, I, I don't dislike it, but it's not what I wanted it to be. And that, I think, is something that's happened in my life before. It I most notice, notably happened with the movie The Hangover, which I did not see until it had been out on DVD for a little while. And if any of you were around and in the target demographic for the movie The Hangover when it came out, you might remember all of your friends going to see it and saying that it was the funniest movie ever made. And then I saw it and I was like, it's fine. It's funny sometimes. Uh, I don't understand why people think it's the funniest movie of all time. And yeah, uh, I've, I have, I don't know that I've ever seen it all the way through again, but I've seen bits and pieces or like clips of it. And I was like, it is really funny. And I think the problem was that people had built it up so much that it there was it was impossible to live up to my standards. Um, yeah, which is you know it's a it's similar not- problem to when like a show that you really love is ending. It's really hard to end a show or a story in a way that satisfies people because people, when they love something so much, their expectations are you know really impossible to meet unless you just happen to key in on their exact all the buttons that they want pushed, which is, you know, probably true for somebody for every finale, but not true for most people. Um, There are some finales like game of Thrones that are apparently objectively bad, but uh, I I haven't watched it. So don't come for me, but um, that is sort of the general critical consensus is that they shat the bed a little bit on the show game of Thrones. But uh, for the most part, I think it's usually a little bit more of just the impossibility of meeting expectations. All right, I'm done. We'll say what you want to say. Whatever. Okay. so (laughs) the thing that I wanted to point out, which is a a very weird thing um, that I'm finding out with having my my first child in the world Mm. um, is uh, I was reading about like laughter. And one of the things that causes people to laugh which is that people uh, have this expectation of something that's going to happen. And when it changes, you are surprised. And one of the things that happens when you are surprised, but in a pleasant way is that it causes laughter to happen. So a lot of times when you are trying to make someone laugh, you can do something that is unexpected with a baby. It's super easy because they don't expect anything. You can do anything. It's hilarious. And they just, they, they haven't seen anything, so it's all hilarious. <laughs> but with people, um, uh, most of the time, you'll get your biggest laugh from people when they walk into something and it is completely unexpectedly funny. My biggest explanation of why The Hangover is bad for you when you first saw it is because if you kept on telling somebody this is funny, 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 funny over and over again, it's the funniest thing you're ever going to see, and you go inside of that movie and you are expecting it to be funny at every turn... Yeah, you're not going to be surprised as much, and so your explosions of laughter are not going to be as much because you're already prepared. to. It's like when you're going into a haunted house. You know, sometimes you're scared because you weren't expecting it to be really scary, but sometimes if you're expecting it to be really scary, it's actually less scary just because you're ready for it. I think I, I think I, I mostly agree with you, but I think the hangover was... The problem was that I expected it to be a certain caliber of funny, and it yeah wasn't whereas like you know like i see ho- some you know you go to a comedy movie that you've seen trailers for you know it's going to mm-hmm. be funny like i don't think the expectation of it being funny inherently messes with that experience but like if you think it's going to be god's gift comedy and it's not that's where the problem comes yeah i will say that the one of the hardest i've ever laughed while watching anything was Blake and I sat down to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I had never seen any episodes of it, uh, just because the show is filled with uh, you get uh, you get uncomfortable humor, and I can't do that by myself. Uh, yeah. So we watched the episode where Charlie worked inside of a mailroom, <laughs> and I swear when it gets to the point where he's talking about... Um, uh, Carol going upstairs and trying to find out who Pepe Sylvia is, oh, yeah. and he's like Carol, Carol. It's just so fucking funny. 
And with that being said, the the other time where we were watching just random videos online and Blake laughs harder than I've ever seen him laugh before was because it was it was this guy breakdancing and he kicked a cat unexpectedly. Oh, my God. And the cat, like, flew across. And Blake was not expecting anything like that to happen. And he laughed so hard that he, like, could not stop. He, I like, think I cried. Correctly. And he was like, I, we have to stop because my body hurts. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I watch a lot of fail. Uh, what is it? Fail army videos. Sometimes when I'm just yeah. like bored and I, I don't want or don't have time to like start an episode of something and I, I don't have anything else on my plate. I'll just watch some fail army videos. And a lot of it is like people hurting themselves. It's like it's America's funniest home videos where people fall down and stuff like that. You know, not always, but something goes wrong and usually it is either unexpected or it is the sort of culmination of the expected thing you know like when you see the skateboarder going to to uh ride down the um the hand railing on a set of stairs or something you know he's going to fail and probably land on his groin and it's funny because you're expecting it and it, it there's almost a surprise of like seeing it come to fruition um, and then a lot of the videos, you're like, what's got, what's about to happen? And I think you're totally right. The surprise of that is what brings that that delight. Because, you know, in general, I don't like to see people get hurt. And there are some of them where you're like, that looks like the person really got hurt or maybe died. And those aren't funny mm-hmm. to me. But, uh, yeah, I think that surprise really gets you. I don't yeah. remember how Anyways. we started this. I guess with with the comedy of anime, and maybe that's the problem with anime comedy is, like I said earlier, it all tends to be kind of the same jokes, just set in different universes, and I it doesn't mm. work for me. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's go ahead and jump in with our previous on. We are going to be watching Hunter x Hunter this week, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, what has happened previously on Hunter x Hunter? Well, Hunter x Hunter in general is a story about a, a sort of adventure-filled world where there are these people called hunters. There is an exam that you can take, which is pretty tough, and actually um, you, you might die during the exam is how tough it is. Um, you can take this exam. If you pass, you become a hunter. There's also a second secret exam where you learn how to use a cool anime power, and that's when you become a real hunter for realsies. Um, our uh, hunters come in all shapes and sizes, so they're not just like traipsing through the woods looking for some quail. They're uh, like rare, rare animal hunters that want to discover new species, and there's like uh, treasure hunters that are basically like Indiana Jones style archaeologists, and there's all kinds of things you can be. Um, so our main characters have passed their hunter exam. They haven't chosen a specialization and I guess, I don't know that they've really discussed choosing that. I think you can like pick one for yourself, but you don't necessarily have to or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, they're not specialized. The main characters are called Gon and Killua. They are actually not very important in these episodes. So I'm just going to touch on them really quickly. They are both about 12 or so. They are somewhat prodigious and, um, they have been involved in the overall, issue that's going on right now um but we're kind of focusing on the ensemble cast which is why we're not going to talk about them that much um what you need to know is that gon cares a lot about everybody that he meets and that will come up in minor ways in these episodes Killua is a little bit more stoic he recently had a battle that it where it seems like he basically should have died but the uh the narrator saved him from death and uh he is out of commission somewhere because of that fight um, they have picked up some other uh, allies. Notably in these episodes, there are these two allies. One is a guy named Morel, who is this like really, really big dude with a comically oversized pipe that he can um, breathe white smoke out of and form it into different things. And then there's this other guy named Nov, who is able to create portals to a pocket dimension that he controls and he can go in and out of that or take other people in and out of that. Um, there's also some other characters that we've met along the way, uh, Knuckle, Shoot, and Palm. They are largely background characters, but they are around, so I'm just going to mention them by name here. Um, the villains are a group called Chimera Ants, which is actually an animal, but the animal has a strange ability, which is that when they eat another animal... They then uh, have a new generation of chimera ants that take on the traits of that animal. Unfortunately, the chimera ants have recently gotten a taste for human flesh. 
They have been eating people left and right, and this has led to a large group of humanoid animal people. They're, they're basically anthropomorphic animals whose arms are like bug arms. They're segmented instead of whatever animal that they're looking like. Um, and this group of chimera ants is being led sort of nominally by a character who is known as the king. He was named by his mother when she gave birth to him. His name is Meruem, but nobody important heard her say that shit. So he doesn't know his name and he's just being called the king right now. He has three royal guards. They are a cat lady named Neferpitu, a big red dude named Metutuyopi, and a butterfly guy named uh, Shayapuf. Um, they are basically just loitering around, making sure nothing happens to the king. And the king has recently taken over a not that poorly disguised or not that well disguised North Korea analog, and uh, he is um, awaiting the gathering of all the people in the kingdom so that they can see if they can find any of those people have uh, the special abilities that hunters have because those people are tasty, tasty, and they want to eat them, and then they'll kill everybody else for fun. Uh, in the meantime, he has decided to become the best at every game because uh, I guess he has a self-esteem problem and he has beaten and subsequently killed the grand masters of all the games he can find. There's a new game called Goongi, which I think is a fictional game, but I'm not 100% sure about that, actually. It's kind of like Super Chess played with Go-like circular pieces, and uh, they have brought in the grandmaster of that, a girl named Komugi. She shows up at the end of the last episode, and we are going to pick up with her and the king starting to play each other on episode 103. Yeah, episode 103 is called Check X and X Mate. So, Kamugi is going to um, really have a a complete episode uh, with just the king. Uh, for the next couple of episodes, is just going to be all about the king. And Kamugi just having a, you know, a best friend's romp. Yeah, from, um, from a high level, there are three things happening in these uh, episodes. One is the heroes are positioning themselves to prepare to invade the castle and try to defeat the ants. Yeah. Two, the royal guard are worrying that the king is becoming too soft. And three, and most importantly, the king and Kamugi are playing board games. That's it. They're becoming best friends. Yeah. That's what's happening. So in this episode, uh, Kamugi is gonna have fun playing with, uh, playing with the king. Uh, the king is going to reveal that um, uh, she is taking it easy on him, and he's starting to figure that out. And he keeps on telling her that you know, uh, the longer that you spend playing against me, the more difficult I will become. So the more difficult moves you're gonna have to use to defeat me, and I will eventually catch up to you. Um, and then it is revealed that Kamugi is also blind. Um, so that is basically all you really need to know about what's going on with them. Yeah, she's um, she's also sort of gross and stupid. Like, and that's a little bit like she's kind of gross because her nose is constantly running and there's like her. She is designed so that snot is always hanging out of her nose, which is like objectively gross. But, you know, whatever it happens. But she's also like in universe. They they try to make her out to be a sort of uncouth idiot uh, who just happens to be good at one thing. And it's this game. Um, so like she's mm-hmm. shown doing several things where she just kind of like she falls unconscious or falls asleep and drools everywhere. And she 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 talks about herself as though she's dumb, but that like the thing that she's good at is playing Gunki. And so they're kind of setting her up as like a sort of lame, embarrassing, no status person who just happens to be good at the one thing the king is is uh, paying attention to right now. And that's going to be important as far as the way that it it relates to and affects uh, his self-perception and their relationship as these episodes go on. Yeah. So the other thing that you need to know uh, that's going on, um, and this is the, the second, uh, possibly the first most important thing that happens in these episodes is that knuckle is going to be becoming best friends and having his own best friends romp with all the dogs this all over this country. This is maybe my favorite thing <laughs> that happens. It's just, so we recently realized that Knuckle 
it, who like like I said in the intro, I didn't go into him, but he's he is part of the good guy group. He is kind of a he's got the pompadour and he walks around like uh like all the all the characters in anime that have pompadours ever. The dude from from Shaman King, uh, what's his face from Yu Yu Hakusho? Like they all act in oh, the okay. exact same way. Um, By the way, you're mentioning Kuobara, and yes. in this moment, I realized that we have had a uh, a fan recently uh, write to us on Twitter that uh, uh, our last episode of Yu Hakusho, where we were covering it, I talked about how much I hated the American actor who does the Kuobara voice, um, and their response was. Uh, the the person that plays Kuwabara in the uh, dubbed version is a gift, and this is a hill that I'm prepared to die on. <laughs> and I just want to say that, like, I respect the fuck out of anybody who has that kind of respect for a, a voice actor. And look, if that's your favorite kind of voice acting, more power to you. I I will say one of my favorite voice actors on on the planet. Um, does basically the same voice in everything that he does. Uh, you know him as uh, playing Kronk or, Kronk or uh, playing Joe um, in Family Guy. <laughs> or uh, he's, in Venture Brothers. Uh, he's Brock yeah, Samson. He's, he's the same person in everything that he does, including basically playing exactly himself um, inside of... Uh, the oh gosh what is it called it's like a series of unfortunate events he plays basically himself um in the netflix one yeah oh he's i didn't great. know he was in that this, this is patrick yeah, warburton the, that we're talking about oh yeah i i i was gonna say his name at the very end he's he was also in I the tick uh from what, what oh was yeah that, the he, 90s or the early thousands or something yeah he was the original the tick in the live action version of the tick yeah not the uh, new not the live action switch. version from Amazon, which was cancelled recently, and I'm very disappointed about that because it was really good yeah I think just nobody was paying attention to it as the problem yeah, Anyways, people I are love idiots. Patrick Warburton, and some people are like he's it's not interesting because he plays the same character, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not exactly the same character in every time, and it's different versions of Patrick Warburton being Patrick Warburton in different ways. Which makes it interesting. Yeah, when his like, voice sounds like that, you don't mess with success. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he um, could soothe any baby to sleep. Yeah, Anyways, uh, let's get back also. to the show. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so that it's funny too because um, Kuwabara, like we have said a thousand times recently, is the the creator of Yu Yu Hakusho is also the creator of Hunter x Hunter and these characters are super similar like he I think oh, yeah. was definitely just like maybe I'll put Kuwabara in this universe and change some things around <laughs> uh, so this yeah. guy looks pretty similar kind of comports himself very similarly he's oh uh, nothing brash. would be so much cooler if he had a soul sword dude yeah <laughs> Uh, instead of uh, IRS bot, <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks, uh, not as mean, good. You mean uh, IRS robot baby Cupid? <laughs> <laughs> um, title, hashtag title of this episode. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, also one interesting thing that we learned in our last episode about Yu Yu Hakusho was that Kubara as the tough guy has a soft spot for cats and knuckle as the tough guy has a soft spot for dogs. So they're different because it's a different type of animal. And uh, what is so great about the sequence is that all these dogs show up and knuckle is trying to be this tough guy. And he's like, ah, they're just strays. And Gon's like, well, they all have collars though. And he's like, look, they're just strays and shoot. Their other companion is like, here's the deal. Knuckles been taking care of all the dogs that have been left behind by the people being murdered. And Knuckles <laughs> like, no, not all the dogs. Some of the dogs are too loyal and wouldn't come with me when I released them from where they were tied up or wouldn't eat because they were too sad. So I had to leave them behind. And then he starts crying. And I have never felt closer to a fictional character. <laughs> I fucking love Knuckle in these episodes so much. <laughs> it's just yeah. great. And he doesn't do like anything else in these episodes. So he just has this like shining moment where you're just like, yes, you are cool. And then it moves on. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Morel is being uh, stupid. I'm just not interested in what Morel is doing. At really? All. <laughs> I thought you really liked this part. Uh, uh... I just, 
I just want I I just forgot how much I wanted Morel to like just start to fucking fight and before he actually like he actually starts fighting I'm just kind of like oh my god just do it just fucking use your ability yeah because it's just like it's just like that moment that you have in in uh in uh Naruto where you're just like stop making shadow clones and do something Naruto <laughs> Uh, I I would counter and say it's the moment that I have in most of the fights in Hunter x Hunter where they built up somebody having a dope-ass ability and a the uh, inevitable amazing fight of uh, the century, and then they do a cutaway and resolve it with talking. And you're just like, but yeah. I... Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so, okay, so this is going to lead us into episode 104. So will you introduce that yeah. and I'll tell everybody about what morale's up to yeah so episode 104 doubt and x hesitation uh doubt x and x hesitation Great god word. i almost missed an x um uh, so, so moral so is gonna, Chichu and morale are gonna have a battle yeah he was setting up some smoke sentries and uh then chitu the cheetah guy shows up and is like i have a grudge against you and he is very fast of course and he punches morel and morel's like i thought he got stronger but his ability is just based on speed and i can beat people that are fast all day long and then he finds himself in a field which is not where he was previously and it turns out that chitu's ability is to take morel uh, or whoever he punches i guess um, or tags as it were into a pocket dimension that is a approximately baseball field sized sort of spring field and um, they are going to play a game of tag. And Chitu is super pumped because he's really fast and he is very proud of his speed. And so he's like, you have to you have to touch me in order to beat me. And uh, I'm super fast. You'll never be able to touch me. And you only have eight hours in which to do it. And Morel is like, OK, sounds great. And turns away and ignores him. And so he like. He basically figures out that they're in a pocket dimension and he's like, yeah, I got all my sentries back in the real world. I don't want to dispel them because that could be an issue if that energy doesn't return to me in this pocket dimension. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have to beat him with what I've got here. And uh, because I don't have that energy, I can't just bust his his pocket dimension uh, with my fucking fists, basically. Um, <laughs> he uh, He basically starts to take a pretend nap. And Chitu is very annoyed and starts to be annoying to try and provoke him into chasing him. Um, and Morel is basically like, this guy is an idiot. Like, not, not that he's dumb, but he is so immature that he hasn't thought through the, the sort of inevitable reality and conclusion of this pocket dimension that he's created. Uh, which is, they are trapped together. And there is no rule that forces Morel to to move. This is not the movie Speed, where he has to move X amount of speed or, you know, within X amount of seconds or he will explode. It's just you have to touch Chitu within eight hours. And Chitu wants it to be a game of tag, but he didn't set the rules up properly. So Morel doesn't have to play tag with him if he doesn't want to. And what that means is that it is actually a game of wills. Because it is who can overcome the other one's patience, essentially. Because Chichu yeah. has no fucking patience and really wants to play <laughs> tag. And Morel is not having it. And Chitu is basically going nuts. Because he's trying yeah. to be all cocky and in charge. And he is fully not in charge. Um, Morel mm. uses this to essentially distract Chitu in his attempts to distract Morel and or to show Morel how little he cares about how Morel's not playing his game. He uses that time to uh, build a secret second body out of his smoke and also a super long smoke rope that wraps around Chitu's leg and has uh, inexorably trapped him. Uh, he then starts to do this totally badass thing where he just winds the rope around his oversized pipe to to reel Chitu in, and I love it. Chitu mm -hmm. develops a new power out of fucking nowhere, and and just <laughs> as a cutaway, this is not 
It's not unprecedented. The show has the the world has explained multiple times that when you develop your super special anime power, it is largely based on your personality and what you want it to be. So mm-hmm. Chitu as a sort of new Nen user developing a secondary ability in the middle of a fight, it's not unbelievable. Uh it's kind of it follows with the world, but they've also been talking a lot about how Shiapoof, one of the royal guards, is giving all the Chimera ants their abilities. So for them to be getting their abilities from an external source and then independent of that, be able to generate a secondary ability based on the ability they currently have is a little breaking the rules, in my opinion. Uh but whatever. He develops a new ability. It is completely fucking irrelevant. And if it hadn't happened, nothing would have changed because Morel just catches him anyway. It gives us an opportunity to see that Morel planned ahead for this, I guess. And that the Morel that was approaching <laughs> him was actually a smoke clone in Naruto style. And the yes. real Morel was creeping on up behind Chitu so that he didn't notice it. Uh, as soon as he touches Chitu, Chitu loses. Chitu, they are transported back to where they were when they uh, first vanished. Chitu is like, well, I can't catch you again because my ability doesn't work on somebody a second time. But I'm going to go get a new ability from Shiapoof, just like the one I made on my own a second ago. But for some reason, it plays by different rules. And then he leaves. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Leo he had gotten is... glasses to show that time has passed. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh Leol, the lion asshole, um is uh fighting against Morel's uh sentries, which is what you actually want to happen. Um instead of uh each one of them just being punched to death immediately, a la Shadow Shadow Clone Jutsus um in uh Naruto. Um it's it's a it's a nice little back and forth that happens here. It's also um, well animated. We also yeah, we also find out that Leol uh, has a new power to copy other people's powers, but he's like, it's my secret. Yeah, so. I, I love his power. If he knows the name of your ability or has seen you use it, he can copy your power if he does you a favor. Then he basically gets an IOU, and he can tear up the IOU to activate one hour of using somebody else's power during which time they can't use it. And it's so weird and specific in a way that I just truly love. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the king and his his friend, uh, Kamugi, are just uh, playing more uh, this same game. Yeah, um, it's and, weird. Uh, he makes it, the, the author makes this really interesting, actually, but it is just them sitting and playing board games against each other. Yeah. Kamugi is going to beat the king using a uh, an interesting strategy. The king thinks that he has he has uh, stepped up his game enough to where he's going to be able to outmatch Kamugi. Um, it turns out that no, he did not step far enough ahead. Um, but it's enough to get Kamugi more interested and more excited, which makes the king more interested and more excited. And at the end of this episode, the king is just like, "Am I having fun? Is this what fun feels like?" <laughs> he also, <laughs> what his strategy is this gambit that he invents, which is to leave. Basically, if you know chess, it, there's a king, and it seems like in this game you're trying to uh, corner or kill the king in a similar way that you are in chess. Uh, so he isolates that piece because you can set up your board however you want and creates a sort of an army on one side and a single piece that is very important on the other. And he anticipates this kind of um, opportunity cost forcing his opponent to behave in a specific way. And she counters him by not behaving in that way. And he is like, uh, my strategy was a, a bit of a risk. And it, it was kind of a, he calls it a dead end. Basically, if she doesn't go for this, it's going to run out of steam real quickly. And she's like, he's like, but you paused. There's this moment where she she stops before making her play. And he's like, you paused for a really long time to think about what you were going to do. But you clearly had already figured out that the strategy was a dead end and a way to defeat it. So why did you pause for so long? And she's like... That strategy is something I came up with 10 years ago, and then somebody used it against me, so I came up with a strategy to beat it like nine years ago. And 
then all of the strategy books didn't record what I had done for some fucking reason that they don't explain. And so that is why it seems new to you, but it's actually a thing that I came up with and it was a strategy I was so proud to come up with that I felt about it almost as though it were my child. And then someone used it against me and I had to kill my child. And I was so happy that you came up with this on your own that it was like the rebirth of my dead child. And the reason I paused was because it was hard for me to kill it again. And I was like, that is some hardcore shit for a board game. And then she basically they're going to take a break. And Shia Poof, who is sitting in the room watching them play, is like, that's the longest the king has ever listened to anybody talk about something that's not him. And I am concerned that he's going soft. Yeah, that's a that's like a moment where you're you compare the king to basically Archer from the show Archer. Yeah, <laughs> that is a weird and strangely upsettingly apt comparison. Like the next episode, we're just gonna see him go on like a rampage, and he's just like, "It's a rampage, y'all!" <laughs> Danger so zone. Like, <laughs> I fucking love those episodes where he's just drinking like the the, the cancer cure. Uh-huh. And then it turns out it's just sugar water, and then he's just like, "Where's the real? Sh- the, where's the real cure?" And then he keeps on drinking it. And they're like, "Why do you keep drinking?" And he was like, "It's still tasty. Shut up." <laughs> No, it's not sugar water. It's Senga. It's like, or Zima. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways, back to this show. What? Yeah. 105, Resolve X and X Awakening. Um, This episode is going to be Mirawim playing uh, even more board games. Yeah, Um, but he makes a cool wager at the beginning. I really like this back and forth here at the beginning. Yeah. So, um, uh, Miram is going to, uh, try to get in Kamugi's head and he thinks like, I can't stand up to her right now. Um, in the way that she is playing, it's a little bit too, uh, too ahead of where I am right now in just raw skill. So what I need to do is I need to play the player. So, um, this is a lot of, uh, a lot of thinking that you'll especially know if you're some, uh, if you're somebody that plays poker or something like that, where, um, you know that you can't affect what it what the other person is going to do unless uh not on the board at least but you can get into them personally so he offers her a wager um basically offering whatever she wishes for um if she wins however but if she lose uh, uh but uh the loss is uh he is going to take an arm if she loses yeah this uh me watching at home i was like that's some weak shit because he has killed everybody before when they have lost uh and in fact uh the he was gonna give her a break earlier we kind of skipped over this he was gonna give her a break to play the master of go that was sort of waiting in the wings but the master of go killed himself off screen rather than being killed by the king after losing and so she I don't know if she was around. I, I don't think she was in the room when that happened, but I believe that she understands that she is playing for her life because I think he introduces the idea of the game to her initially in that way. And so I was like, you're actually making a wager that's worse. And then she confirms that she knows this because he, she responds to his offer with you know, if I lose, would you kill me instead of just taking an arm? And she's like, one, that's what we've been playing for all along, so that feels appropriate. Two, I have always been ready to kill myself if I ever lost. (laughs) And this is a little upsetting, and she basically explains that as a professional board game player, you don't make a lot of money, which I was happy to hear. And then she's like, I am one of 12 children. I am the primary breadwinner of my family. And if you are a game master, the second you lose, you become a normal person. 
And if I ever lost, I realized that I would then, from that moment on, become a burden to my family instead of the breadwinner, because I no longer have the clout of a game master, which I understand her logic, but it is a little extreme. And she's like, sorry, I've always been prepared to kill myself as a result. And so I think you should kill me if I lose. And then she's like, oh, no, but that's kind of a raw deal because then you don't get anything. Because if you if you beat me, I immediately become trash. So your victory is just trash. Is there anything else I could do for you? <laughs> <laughs> and Miriam's like, no, it's OK. You know what I'll do for you? I'm going to cut off my own arm. Yeah. So he just rips it off. And Shia Poof is like, uh, uh, guys, uh, uh, <laughs> uh what the uh, fuck are you doing? <laughs> And uh, and uh, and Kamugi is just like no 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 it's fine. And he's like, are you sure it's fine? She's like she's like no 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 it's it's fine. And he's like okay, and then he gets his arm put back on. Well, specifically, Shiapoof is like, you need to attach your arm, and the king is like, you need to fuck right off. And Shiapoof is like, I'm so sorry, I won't leave until you reattach your arm. And the king uh, basically tries to kill Shiapoof by knocking him across the room. And Komuki steps in and is like, hey, I'm also not going to make a move until they reattach your arm. So you're going to need to agree to this because I uh, I am too meek and deferential to proceed otherwise. And he's like, fucking Look. fine. Put the arm back on if you must. <laughs> Look, I said the same thing, guys. I said the same thing. <laughs> um, meanwhile, um, Nav is deciding um, that... Uh, the royal guards uh, protecting the king uh, really is going to be his best opportunity to do um, to do anything inside of uh, getting closer into assassinating the king. So uh, we need to take this opportunity. Yeah, because Neferpitu is the cat lady. She is the one who has been keeping watch of the castle. She has been extending her aura out in a in a move called N. So basically, if you walk into that, she knows where you are, and she will come and murder you. But she is also the medical person on the team, so while she is reattaching the king's arm, she is not able to keep watch. She has the strongest N, so she can extend it out around the whole kingdom, and the heroes can't approach. But now that she's busy, uh, Shiapoof is taking duty, and his N only extends to like the third floor of the palace. And so Nov realizes that he can get in there and place the portal, and he is going to do that thing. Yeah. Um, the next thing that is going to happen is that Palm is going to infiltrate uh, into uh, right into the castle so that she can get closer to the king. Yeah. Um, she does this by becoming, you know, a secretary uh -huh. because They've, come on, man. They have <laughs> taken over this kingdom and for reasons that are not very clear, they have kept one of the people alive, which was like one of the administrative... Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's obviously a CPA because nobody, <laughs> even if you're an all-powerful chimera ant, wants to become a CPA. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this random dude who I don't think is very important, other than the fact that he's alive to facilitate this subplot, which I also don't think is very important. Uh, yes. So she comes into the the area to infiltrate the uh, castle then in episode 106 the next episode she immediately attempts to escape uh yeah so i don't it get why she infiltrated at all <laughs> okay so let's just let's just figure this out okay so we're going into episode 106 nav x and x morale so nav is going to infiltrate the palace while he is infiltrating the palace um to like get a portal so they could get closer and closer Palm is just like, I'm going to leave, even though I also infiltrated. Uh -huh. But there's no reason given why Palm is leaving all of a sudden. No. Why would you go in in the first place? It isn't your whole shit that you can predict the fucking future? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they, they talk this big game before she goes in there about how like she and Nov have a secret plan to do a two-pronged infiltration of the palace. Then yes, Palm's half of that plan seems to be get in there for the sake of getting back out. And I was like, she was already out before you started the plan. You just shouldn't have had her yeah. go in there in the first place because yeah, they don't they don't explain it. When you're not in, you're out. They don't explain it. She's like, she goes in there and she's like, now I must escape. And I'm like, but why? 
Because she doesn't say, I must escape and leave the door open for the heroes to come in. Or I must yeah, escape because this has gone in. tits up and I need to get myself <laughs> out. Or I must escape because it turns out they're way too powerful and I can't do be anything but a liability. None of that. None of it. She doesn't say anything. She just infiltrates. Then she gets the guy alone. She definitely has sex with him. And then she's like, <laughs> now I got to get out of here. I don't get it. What? What is she doing? Why did she do this? I don't get it. Yeah. She she broke in so she could have some sex, and now she wants to leave. Look, we've all That's been there, but why did she do that in this scenario? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, Nav is going to also try to break in, and he's going to be like, look, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to place a portal. And then when he's, it, when he's found out, he's like, it's too scary. I'm leaving. He's not even he's not even found out. He just sees Shiapuff's end coming over the, the top of the staircase. It's like the beast yeah, in the beauty of the beast. It's too scary, it's Blake. It's too scary. It is three spooky five me, so he bounces. <laughs> and in fact, he will leave and he is done. He goes away <laughs> and he is like, I was too scared. And Gon and Killua are children, and they're not too scared. They encountered the Royal Guard face-to-face and lived to tell the tale and have wanted to come back. And I just encountered his spooky, spooky, spooky presence and couldn't <laughs> even deal with it. And yeah. I don't think I can go back. And then later on, I think in the next episode or something, they're going to call Moral on the phone. And Moral's going to be like, yeah, so Nov placed the portals, but he's not going to be involved anymore because he's too afraid. And later in the series, I don't think we see it in these episodes, but we will later find out that his hair has gone completely white. And he is like a <laughs> jittery mess from now on. Like he's ruined. <laughs> he has been ruined yeah. by this. Anyways, uh, we're going to go into what I love Morel for, fucking finally. Instead of just making shadow clones, it's going to be a badass fight with Morel. So Morel is going to be fighting with uh, Leol. Um, they're going to go into a church basement, you know, a place where you want to go to have a, a, a kill fight. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be episode 107, Return <laughs> X and X Retire. They're in one so, of those underground cathedrals that are spread out everywhere, you know? Yeah, and Leol is going to be like, you know what I do? I have this new ability. It's to summon water, and then I'm going to fucking surfboard USA over the top of it and murder you. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is <laughs> surfboard USA. <laughs> he, is, he is doing Beach Boys, and that is his bat power, and Morel is super mad about it because he knows the person whose power this was. We don't, but he does, and he's grumple base about it. And he's like, I'm going to murder you because you took my friend's power. And then Leo's like, no, he's fine. I did him a favor. And yeah. then he uses Surf, and Morel gets put on the bottom <laughs> of the self-made ocean. But instead of instead of it hurting Morel, Morel is going to use his uh, secondary badass ability, which is to uh, blow poison smoke. And yeah. so, like, we thought Leol that Morel was, like, was down, but Morel is actually up a uh, quarter of a quarter. Yeah. 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 Morel, Morel is actually going to use Toxic on uh, Leol. He um, is! And, uh, <laughs> he is going to uh, slowly get more and more poisoned over the course of a couple of turns of using Surf, um, which is not super effective on, uh, you know, an air type Pokemon, which Morel yeah. obviously is. Uh huh. <laughs> So yeah, down a rabbit hole. Basically, Morel, his, his smoke, he can make whatever he wants to out of it. So he makes all these tubes up to the surface, and then tubes. he he lets bubbles. It's the internet. <laughs> he see the internet is a series of tubes, and it comes to us through the air. <laughs> so um, so the uh, the he he starts letting water bubbles come up essentially or uh, air bubbles come up to um, pretend like he is hiding just under the surface, but he uses his smoke tubes to do it all around. So Leo can't figure out where he is. And secretly that is all a ruse to just, <laughs> he uses his super smoke powers and his insane anime style lung capacity to essentially breathe in all of the stagnant air of the underground cathedral and then exhale carbon dioxide. This is how people breathe 
Blake and Spencer Science Corner, in case you don't know this, uh, we breathe in the air around us, which contains oxygen. Uh, we take Unless you're trees. Trees uh-huh. work the opposite way, you guys. Trees are opposite. So whatever I say is opposite if you are a tree listening to us. So if you are a human or some other carbon-based animal form, you will probably be breathing in that, that air and taking the oxygen that is in the air out of the air for your bloodstream to help make your, your body have the power that it needs to be bodying. Then your body takes the oxygen um, and releases carbon dioxide, which is it basically puts carbon onto it. So all the oxygen that you put into your body, it takes some carbon and puts that on the oxygen to breathe it back out. And the carbon dioxide, unlike the oxygen, is very poisonous in high uh, doses. So if you uh, breathe in all the air and breathe out all the carbon dioxide and then that's all that's left to breathe, you will be poisoned. And that is what happens to Leol. And that is science. Yeah. Um, now, meanwhile, you all Palm know is just science. Like... Meanwhile, Palm is just like, uh, it's scary. It's extra scary because I feel a, a, a dangerous presence. Yeah, uh, somebody around also, here is real mean. <laughs> yeah. And then also, Killua is going to wake up. and He's uh, also in an underground Killua, facility that's usually not underground. Yeah, so Killua, Killua wakes up. Gone is like, thank God, my best friend is awake. And now we can actually go do stuff. Um, and so they're like, uh, they call Morel, and Morel's just like, hey, uh, why don't you use this series of tubes that I've that has been created so you can get close <laughs> to this castle? The and internet. Like, All right. Yeah, the internet, obviously. And so they're like, let's join the fight, which leads to episode 108, Gungi, uh, X of X Kamungi. Oh, God, Kamugi. Damn it. I knew I was going to say that when I saw Gungi. Yeah. And I so was like, what's, oh, man. what's important to know is that the heroes are prepared to join the fight, and that is where we are leaving them. We have a full episode that has nothing to do with them, and that's this one. Okay. So this episode, if you're wondering what happens, is that the king, surprise, surprise, is going to play more board games. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, first, they take a break for something, for some reason. I think it's the break that they were taking at the end of the last one. And Shiapoof, again, the Royal Guard member who's been around and has been watching all this take place, is like, I should kill her. Because this thing, I I don't like the relationship that they're building. I do not approve of this. And he is like uh, a parent that does not want you to date that boy and will uh, murder him as a result. And so Shiapoof is going to kill her, and then he's like, oh god, if I kill her, then the king will have somebody in the world that he was never able to defeat. And I can't do that. He has to beat her. Uh, So he leaves her unkilled, and he realizes that he was being a a silly ninny, and was acting above his station and he is like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna kill myself but i'm gonna wait until the king has conquered the world to do it so i'm gonna have my cake and murder it too yeah so um uh, shia poof is is uh gonna end up getting banished um and uh be gone from me just like yeah get out of here um uh up is going to um He's going to be like, yeah, the king's going to win soon. It's it's no big deal. Don't, don't worry about it. And Shiapoof is just like, no, you don't realize what's happening. He's getting better, but she is also getting better. And it turns out that she has awakened a Nin ability to just become better at this board game. Yeah. Her <laughs> Nin ability is basically a passive ability that gives her really good fucking ideas. Her Nin ability is the pharaoh trapped in the Millennium Puzzle. It is just yeah. the best at all games and will figure out how to beat you. She's going to heart of the cards her way out of this. <laughs> Your move! Your move! <laughs> so she then, after awakening this ability, she is like, oh, woo, that was a good game. She is thrilled about it and she would like to take a break so that she can go and write down what moves she made in that game that she came up with. Because I guess that's how 
she thinks about these things. So they're going to take a break. And before she leaves, the king's like, yeah, go take a break. That's fine. But before you go, I want to know your name. And if you guys remember, we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, and if you watch any anime that involves battles, you will also know this. Telling your opponent your name is a big deal in Japanese culture. It is a sign of respect you will often find characters that uh, find others to be beneath their notice or that are very disrespectful, will not give their names at the beginning of a fight, will not care about the name given to them at the beginning of the fight, and will kind of trash talk their opponent as a result of that. Um, this is really common. Giving your name is a super big sign of respect for your opponent. And the king asks her her name, which is a big deal. Um, she gives him her name, which is Komugi, and then she's like, hey, what's your name? And he doesn't know it. You will remember at the beginning, his name is Meruem. He does not know that. Also, none of his royal guards know this. I think what happened, it's been a while, but I think what happened is that when the queen gave birth to him, she was like, it was one of those births that kills the mother. And as she was dying, she was like, he will be named Meruem. And like one person was there and was like, sounds great. And then she died and nobody told anyone. <laughs> so. Yeah. So Meruem, yeah. So Meruem has decided that he is the king. Has decided that uh, he's he's frustrated by this, and he's so frustrated that he's gonna kill Kamugi. <laughs> well, he goes to ask his royal guards, and they're like, "I don't know." And uh, like he's like, "Royal guard one, what is my name?" And he's like, "I don't know." Does it matter? Royal guard two is like, "I don't know." It's not important. Royal guard three is like, "You're the king." That's your name because that's what you are. And there's other people who are kings for right now, but we're going to murder all of them so that there's no confusion. We're going to disambiguate by murdering everyone. And the king is like, mm, that sounds fine. And <laughs> then he goes on this speech, which is such a good bait and switch that is also fucking absurd. Like, I love it and I hate it. And basically, he's like, we're going to be gathering all these people together here in a few days for this big event. And remind me the purpose of that. And he's, he, he doesn't need reminding. He's just doing this as a narrative tool. And they're like, remember, we're going to gather all the people to see if some of them are strong so that we can eat them and turn them into soldiers. And he's like, right, we're looking for people who are strong. But what I've learned from Komugi is that sometimes people have skills that make them powerful in ways that are not related directly to their strength. And this is shaking me to my core. Remember that one time that I murdered a little baby kid? What if that kid had the potential to be really strong in a way that I couldn't tell at that time, and I snuffed out its potential? And then Shiapoof, who's already been having a lot of feelings about the king's going soft on him, is like, Oh, God, the king is feeling remorse for killing this person. We have lost him. And then the king is like, I'm awesome. I can kill anyone I want. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's fine. And the king leaves and Shiapoof starts to cry because that's what he fucking does. And he is just like, they're like, what's wrong, Shiapoof? And he's like, I was so wrong about the king, and the king is so awesome and sexy, and I love him so much. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kamugi is being attacked by a bird. You know how birds, <laughs> specifically large birds of prey, will just swoop into your room at the palace. Oh God. And then, like, Merom walks in, and he's just like, ah, bird. He slaps it and murders it. Um, <laughs> well, he walks in specifically just... prepared to kill Komugi to sort of, like, cement his kingness. And then she's being attacked by this bird out of nowhere spell. And he's like, no, no, no! Get away from her! <laughs> yeah, he kills it. Um, and uh, he's just like, it's all right. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're a guest in my castle home that I stole from somebody else. You're my Don't special worry, you'll friend. be fine. Continue to play this game with me for the rest of time. And uh, that's love where you we forever. leave off this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Great episodes, you guys. These episodes uh, are so join weird. Us, join us next time uh, where we'll be talking about something else. 
Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater episodes 33 through 36. These episodes, we're going to travel back in time, but only for a little while, because if you don't get out in 20 minutes, then you become part of the past, which is just memories that are just... I feel like the longer I talk about it, the more I'm just like, am I talking about Kingdom Hearts? Talking about the movie Cats, the award-winning... Yeah beloved movie cats and to the song memories the the movie cats that's sweeping the nation with its popularity and acclaim let's take a weird turn that's what you get